Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. All right, what a great day to be in church. Excited to be here today? Yes. So uh, Bethany and I and the kids, we landed in the Eugene airport at about 10.15 last night, came back from a week in Mexico, which was awesome. And uh, we ate more tacos than should be legal. I think it actually is illegal how many we ate in a few U.S. states. Uh, I was excited to, to, I weighed myself this morning on the scale, and uh, we have one of those digital scales that like speaks to you, and I got on and it said, ouch! <laughs> so I was, thinking, uh, I was thinking that, you know, walking around in Mexico on the streets, because uh, we, we, we stayed at this nice resort, but we ventured down into the city and uh, went and got tacos at El Zarape and different places, and uh, uh, shrimp tacos, uh, tacos al pastor. How many of you are excited about this? I, if you can't be there, it's like you want to hear about it at least, right? And, so I thought, well, you know, we're walking around a lot. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, I, maybe I won't, it'll offset, right? Like tacos in, calories out in walking. Nope, didn't happen, <laughs> but it was good. And uh, uh, we, had, we had our negative COVID test, so we actually got to come home. That was good. Because I don't know if you knew, but they changed the rule where if you do travel, then you have to have a test if you come back to the state. So we had our negative COVID test, and uh, uh, it was a good experience. The kids did their test, and they did a pretty good job. I think only Evie had a little bit of a hard time with it, but she, she calmed down, and it was good. And uh, had a great time, but we're excited to be back and excited to move forward with this series, talking about the four E's. You know, at Joy Church, we're all about being disciples of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus. We really believe and, and we see this in scripture that if you are a disciple, which means a follower of Jesus, that it's your responsibility, your mission to make disciples. In fact, there is no such thing as a disciple that doesn't make disciples. And we go through a framework or a process that we've been talking about for the past four weeks or a few weeks, maybe more than four. I don't remember. I've had too many tacos. And so it's just a fog. Uh, all I remember is Al Pastor, you know, if I could get it in my mouth and I was happy. That's, all I, that's the only memory I have. We've been talking about the four E's, which stands for, number one, to engage culture and community. Uh, as disciples, we're, we are to engage the culture and the community around us, right? The gospel that has come to us, we want to let it come through us or go through us. And it's our responsibility to uh, be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We actually are here to do good, here to share the love of Jesus, here to share the truth and help people and engage our culture and community. Yes, Number two, we are to be established. We want to establish biblical foundations and spiritual foundations. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Becca did a phenomenal job. Give her a hand. Awesome job, Becca. Talking about being equipped. And uh, I know I was online with those on Joy Church Online. Welcome, you guys. And those guys, all of you in the overflow room, hey, welcome to you as well. So good to be together, all of us. Uh, but last week, Bethany and I, we had probably the best view for church. I think that exists. We were sitting up on the cliffs overlooking the Pacific Ocean by an infinity pool. Yeah. Watching church. I and mean, we were suffering for Jesus. That was serious missions trip right there. No, that was not a missions trip. That was a vacation, uh, which is another form of mission. You have to save yourself from your children. Your work. I don't know. I'm trying to make up some spiritual reason why you should go on vacation. Just do it. It's fun. Uh, so we had a great time watching that. And she talked about being equipped. That's the, the 30. 
that uh, uh, being equipped as a disciple, and here's the, the thing about it, being equipped. Being equipped simply means being handed the tool to do the right tool for the job you were asked to do. How many times in life do you have a parent, they say, hey, go do such and such a thing, and you're like, I don't know what to do, right? I don't have the right tool. And as disciples of Jesus, it's vital that we get handed the right tool to do the job we're asked to do. If you're asked to make disciples, you need to be equipped in order to know what to say, what to do. And so that equipping process is an ongoing thing that we talk about in discipleship. And today, we're going to talk about the fourth E, uh, which is the word empower or empowered, that we uh, equip believers to minister and we empower disciples to make disciples. That's the word we're going to talk about today. The word empower simply means to be given the power or the authority to do the job you've been equipped to do. Because sometimes you can have the ability, right, to do something, but not the authority. And those two things are different. And uh, Jesus wants to give each and every one of us, he empowers us with his Holy Spirit, with our calling as disciples to do the job that he's called us to do. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, before I give you uh, my thoughts on this, we're going to tune in and watch the last of the four-part series of videos that we've been watching with Pastor Steve Merle on the topic of empowerment. Let's check it out. Now we come to the most elusive part of the discipleship journey, and that is empowering. If we equip people, and many churches and ministries do this, they're very good at equipping, but if we equip people but we do not empower them, we do not provide platforms for ministry, then what happens is we end up with a lot of very frustrated but very equipped people, or what happens is we provide all the other churches in town with great leaders because we've equipped them, but we give them no opportunity for ministry so they eventually leave. Equipping and empowering have to go hand in hand. Uh, if we empower without equipping, then the result of that is just massive weirdness, heresy, strange doctrine, strange ministry. So to the degree that we equip, to that degree we empower. They have to work together. It brings me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Very familiar scripture. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is an outline of the book of Acts, of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But for our purposes right now, when I look at what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Sometimes today, people, when they experience the Holy Spirit, they think the result is supposed to be more mysticism. But what we see in this scripture, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there'll be power to be a witness. So the deeper we go in the Spirit, the more we encounter the Holy Spirit, the more we're filled with the Spirit, the more missional we should be, not the more mystical. Now, there's certainly a mystical part of the Christian experience. Uh, the whole idea of the spiritual world is mystical, but the tension is always to to bring the missional aspect, the going and making disciples, the going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, going to people of different cultures and different ethnicities and different language groups, different religious backgrounds. That's what this text is saying. The Holy Spirit empowers us to go and witness, to be his witness. When Deborah and I first came to the Philippines in 1984, we thought we would only be here one month. We ended up staying a bit longer, but because we thought we were here temporarily, we got busy right from the start 
empowering others to make disciples. The people we empowered had only been believers for a week, two weeks, three weeks. But here's what I told them. I gathered them together and I said, remember I told you to start reading your Bible. How many of you have finished the book of Mark? And some would say, oh, I'm halfway through with Mark. And the other one would say, I'm all the way, I'm all the way to Acts or, or wherever. And uh, I would say tonight, the people who come to Christ, you're going to disciple them from now on. I won't do it anymore. It's you. I was empowering them. They were worried about this by saying, I've only been saved a few days or a few weeks. And then I would say this, as long as you stay one chapter ahead, you're qualified to disciple them. The moment they get to Romans before you do, then they will disciple you. That became a slogan in our church from day one, stay one chapter ahead. In other words, you don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be the most mature person in the church. As long as you are moving in the right direction, following Christ, as long as you're making progress in your faith journey, you're qualified to help someone else follow Jesus, help someone else fish for men, help someone else live in fellowship. The moment you stagnate or go backwards, then you're no longer qualified. They will now begin to disciple you. So empower people. Don't wait for maturity. Empower them and watch them grow in maturity. Awesome. Man, isn't that good? How often do we basically disqualify ourselves or set ourselves down and not take the steps that we're supposed to do because we say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not mature enough. I don't have what it takes, right? And I love what he said there. This is something that we really felt from the very beginning, uh, even as Bethany and I were young church planters, you know, planting Joy Church, getting everything off the ground, is that we, we knew that maturity comes from ministry. So many times we think, well, I've got to, you know, I've got to read the Bible through seven times. I have to have uh, you know, Pastor Mark personally mentioned me for four years before I can pass out communion cups. And the reality is no, not to diminish that role or that job, but it's actually in the act of service, in the act of ministry, in the act of talking to somebody about your faith that God uses to bring maturity, right? Responsibility or ministry creates maturity. And that's why empowerment is so important and why we're going to talk about it today. You know, I think the word that I, I like to th uh, think of when I think of the word empowerment is actually the word permission, because in, many times in life, we have the ability, but we need the permission. We need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, you can do this thing that you have the ability to do. You know, oftentimes the person that sees the least about what our potential is, is who? Ourselves, right? And so it's so vital to have, yes, Jesus, yes, the Holy Spirit, but even fellow disciples come around us and say, hey, I see this in you. I, I believe God has called you to this, and now you can go and do that thing. So we're talking about this word empower, how we can be empowered as disciples to make disciples and how we can empower others. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin. I remember when I was a, a little toddler, well, I don't actually remember it. Uh, I, I was told this by my parents and they may or may not be telling the truth because it cast me in a bit of a negative light. So we're going to see. But apparently when I was a toddler, I was a little power hungry. And uh, now having had children and our kids aren't toddlers anymore, but they were recently toddlers. They were very power hungry. Toddlers remind me of Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, not Napoleon Dynamite so much, although they do like tater tots, but more, more Napoleon Bonaparte, just kind of power, short and power hungry, right? And uh, apparently when I was a toddler, I would tell my parents, you know, I'm the boss. Anybody have kids that would say this? I'm the boss. Now, this is probably not surprising to some people that know me, but I don't know. It doesn't sound like me at all. But anyways, uh, 
my dad, being this masterful tactician, he's a chess player, he, he knew how to outsmart me and win the war without even fighting the battle, right? Which with kids is basically half the battle right there. Raising kids is how do I get out of this without fighting this battle, right? Not having a showdown, not having a big meltdown in Walmart with other people judging my parenting skills. <laughs> Raise your own children. Mine are fine. Quiet, I'll kill you when we get home. You know? <laughs> oh, dang, this is the online service. I never said that. Okay. <laughs> my dad figured out a way to win the war without even fighting the battle, so he, he gave me a title. He said, Jake, you're the nothing boss. And apparently that did the trick. And I, I felt so empowered. And I received my title. I received my role, my position. And I am the nothing boss. <laughs> and that, that really worked for me. But, you know, when it comes to the kingdom of God and it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, it's ex the exact opposite. You're not the nothing boss. You are actually empowered and given the authority. We're going to talk about being an ambassador of the kingdom. You're given the seal of approval and authority, and you are imbued with that power. Pastor Steve talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. You wear the mark of the, the king of heaven on you, and you're empowered to actually be the person God's called you to be. Specifically, we are empowered to go into all the world and make disciples, that is the role that we're given. Now let's look at the scripture here. In Matthew chapter 28, we're going to look into the words of Jesus. We call this passage the Great Commission, but it wasn't just for the disciples that were there at that moment in history. It was for, for them, but also for us uh, here today. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is Matthew 28, we're going to put it on the screen. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, as your pastor, you know, a Greek scholar, been to Bible college, I want to just dig into the nuances of this word in the original text and language. This word, all, in the original Greek here, do you know what it means? Let me just give it to you. You ready for it? All. Did that go over anybody's head? Okay, let's bring it. Uh, the cookies are on the bottom shelf here, guys. Jesus is saying, I've been given all authority. Say it with me. All. In heaven and on earth. And then he says this, therefore, so because of that, so that's one hand, Jesus says, I'm the boss. Now, what qualifies Jesus to say he's the boss? This is actually post his resurrection from the dead. Does anybody in here know anyone who's actually raised from the dead, been raised from the dead? Anybody? I didn't think so. Okay, I don't personally, although Monday mornings, I feel like I kind of qualify, <laughs> you know, uh. <laughs> but not exactly the same. Jesus is here post his resurrection. He was born. He lived a perfect sinless life. He was tempted and tried, the scriptures say, but without sin. He gave his life for us at the cross, and then God raised him from the dead. So now here's Jesus appearing to his disciples. He appeared to over 500 people, and he says, you guys know that kind of raising from the dead sort of shows that I'm a little bit special and unique. And he makes this bold claim. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, I'm the boss. Okay. Now this was like me as a kid saying, I'm the boss. Maybe I was watching too much Tony Danza, right? They were asking the question, who's the boss? And I was, uh, I was answering me, but no, I wasn't the boss. I was the nothing boss. Jesus is saying, I'm not the nothing boss. I'm the everything boss. Just being in Mexico for a week, todos, right? All. Is that right, Nikki? Did I get that right? Okay, good. I got to check with somebody that knows what they're doing with Spanish. <laughs> Jesus says all authority. And because of that, then in verse 19 here, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. 
teaching them or baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, because I've been given all authority, I'm now turning, turning around and I'm handing it to you for this specific purpose and this specific mission. All authority has been given to me. And now because of that, I'm saying go and make disciples. Again, disciple means somebody who follows Jesus, who fishes for men, and who fellowships with other believers. We covered that a few weeks ago, but simply it's a person who is following Jesus. And Jesus says, I take my authority, I hand it to you, and now every disciple is to go in that same authority, again, all of it, there's not any hiding anywhere. There's no authority back here. It's all in Jesus' hands, and he hands it to you and says, go and do this mission that I've called you to do, make disciples. I haven't moved that much in a sermon in years. Although one time my dad did do a full leap upon the stage and a full baseball front slide to illustrate some sermon point. It was legend, legendary. (laughs) Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. Every disciple has this same calling, has the same place of empowerment. Every disciple is called to make disciples. There is no such thing as a disciple who doesn't take on this role, take on this authority that Jesus is giving to make disciples. And this word empower means to give someone the authority or power to do something. Again, empowerment is like permission giving. It's saying, hey, you have the ability, you have the capacity, but now I'm giving you the authority to walk in this capacity, to walk in this ability. Now let's, let's talk about the difference between ability and authority. Uh, there's a lot of people in our church that have the ability to do things that don't necessarily have the authority. Here's an example. Outside, we have our awesome garbage enclosure. I don't know if you've seen that, you know, in our building. It's my favorite part of this whole building (laughs) is the garbage enclosure. I remember the day Pastor Mark was like, Jake, check out the garbage enclosure. And I was in awe of it because I can't build anything, guys. My building skills are basically limited to Legos, and I'm not even that good with Legos. If I don't have the, the, the paperwork like to build the instructions, I'm hopeless. And that's about it. That taps me out on the building thing. So don't ask me to help you build anything unless you want to fall through your floor or whatever. Because, um, and I won't even show up because I love people and I don't want to hurt you. So I don't have any skills. So he says, look at that thing. And I'm like, man, that garbage enclosure is amazing. And I think, Kelly, did you build that? You're the man, Kelly. Kelly, you are the man. So awesome. I was like in awe of that thing. And so I'm really bothered and annoyed right now. And I'll tell you why. Because people are vandalizing it. Somebody ripped the door off. People are climbing in there. We had to put bars on it. I don't know if those are up yet. Yeah. And then they ripped the door off. There's a lot of people in our church that have the ability to stop that behavior. And I'll just let your mind wander to whatever that means. (laughs) But you don't have the authority to do it. Because Springfield Police Department, Eugene Police Department, our wonderful law enforcement community, they kind of want to, you know, which I think is okay, hold on to that authority to actually exercise the ability to stop people from breaking the law. Are you with me? How many of you know it's not good for everybody to take the law into their own hands, right? We literally have a full saying that people say all the time, don't take the law into your own hands, right? To illustrate this exact point. You might have the ability to stop something or the ability to do something, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have the authority. 
Here's the deal. As a believer, as a Christian, as a disciple, even if you've been a disciple of Jesus for 10 minutes, you have the ability to make disciples. And now you need to understand that Jesus is saying, not only do you have the ability, but I'm giving you the authority. Not only do you have the dunamis gun power, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, but you have the exousia, the authority. You wear the badge. When you show up, you actually carry the authority that I have been given, which is all of it, to exercise this mission and do what I've called you to do. Every disciple doesn't not just have the ability, but also has the authority. And so today we're talking about six ways we're empowered to make disciples. Six ways. Now, I'll tell you how many of the six I got through today in the first service. Two. <laughs> Man, it's like my, uh, my grades. I've gotten, uh, you know, more, more C pluses on the way to A's than I can count, you know. Uh, I'm not going to get to all six, so we're going to stretch this out into multiple messages. But we're going to talk about six ways we're empowered to make disciples, and we'll continue on in the next couple of weeks. Number one, you are empowered by God to be an ambassador for Christ. Empowered by God to be an ambassador for Christ. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Now, Paul's speaking about him and his ministry team specifically in this passage, but it has an implication for the full body of Christ. For every disciple, it applies to, to you and I. He says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, I want you to lean in with me for just a minute and look at this word ambassador because I think we often hear words like this and we kind of go, yeah, an ambassador. And we think of a guy with a funny hat, like standing somewhere talking about things. He's all up in some foreign country, you know, kind of representing us or whatever. But I want you to grasp the full implication and meaning of this. An ambassador actually carries the full weight and authority and sovereignty as if they were the king or the president or the country, the ruling uh, person or entity themselves. Literally, if you're from the United uh, Kingdom, you have, they have a king, you know, and right now a queen, the ambassador actually gets the honorary. So they would say, your majesty, the, um, uh, or their, your highness, the ambassador from the United Kingdom. Now, I want you to understand the implication of that. What it means to be an ambassador as it's just like the king or queen themselves is standing there in the room. If you are an ambassador of the United States of America, it's as if the president of the United States, the Senate, the, the House, right, the people were all standing there. The full weight, authority, uh, and power of that nation is wrapped up and represented in the, in the person of the ambassador. So when Paul says, look, we are ambassadors for Christ, he's saying we carry the full weight and authority and representative power, right, of that nation, of that kingdom, when we go, where we go. Now, this is a, this is a big deal, you guys, that we need to, to, to lean into this. If you attack an ambassador or an embassy, it's as if you attacked that nation itself. That's that soil, as if you sent soldiers onto that soil. If that ambassador speaks a word or makes an agreement, it's as if you made that agreement with the king himself. Now think about what Paul's saying here. He's saying you're ambassadors for Christ. And what he's saying is you represent this kingdom, the kingdom of God. The God that sits upon the throne of heaven and earth 
whose word changes lives, whose very touch brings healing in the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, the person who can unleash the destiny and potential in every person, the one that created all things uh, in the beginning and will create all things new when he comes again, you are his ambassador. When you step into the room, it's as if Jesus himself walked in and said, demons out, uh, bondage is broken, healing in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching good. When you step into the room, you carry the full weight of the kingdom, not the United States, not the United Kingdom, not the Roman Empire, the kingdom of God. And so when he says you're an ambassador for Christ, you are empowered. You're not just empowered. You're empowered. There is full weight and authority. Now listen, this should change the way when you understand your role and your empowerment as a disciple of Jesus. It should change everything about how you think, how you speak, and how you walk and live in this life. Many times we go, oh, I need to stop sinning. I need to stop screwing up because God's going to get mad at me. And he's up there. He's Zeus with his white hair and his lightning bolt. And if I, if I, say, the, the, if I say a naughty word or I get mad at somebody or I look at something or I do whatever, he's going to smite me, almighty smiter. And we have this wrong perspective. Actually, uh, when you begin to understand that you are an ambassador, you want to change, you want to grow, you want to be mature, you want to do the best you can because you represent the king of heaven and earth who has decided because of his grace and mercy to place his hand and calling upon your life and send you out into the world to accomplish the mission that he's called you to accomplish. Now, we need to understand that an ambassador is very different than just somebody from one country going to another country. When Bethany and I just were in Mexico, we pulled up. You know, I, I thought we were going to get, like, this royal welcome as ambassadors. Uh, we didn't. Uh, we came into the airport there in Cabo. And if you've ever traveled into Mexico, they have this really nifty way of deciding who they're going to check. You push a button. Have you remember this? Kayla, have you been in there? Nikki, you know what I'm talking about? You push this button. And either you get a red light or a green light. Do you remember that now? No? Okay. You push this button, and you either get a red light or a green light. And it's like winning the lottery, except you don't want to win. Because if you hit it and it goes red, then they search your bags, right? Unfortunately, Penny was smuggling drugs, and we had to be detained. And No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anybody that doesn't know, she's five. That's obviously a joke. Okay. Seven religious people just left the church. Good. Go, go. Okay. So... Uh, we didn't get this royal welcome. We, they didn't, there was no fanfare. There wasn't a mariachi. It didn't happen. We're just normal people going on vacation, right? But when an ambassador goes, they're always sent on a mission. They always have a mandate. They carry that authority, and there's always a purpose for why they are there, to represent the interests of that kingdom, of that nation, and so when we talk about being an ambassador, it's not that you're just, oh, you're just full of power and you have all this authority just to do whatever you want. No, you have an assignment, you have a mandate, you have a mission from the king to accomplish. And that mission is what we just talked about, both from the words of Jesus where he said, go and make disciples. So your empowerment is connected to your purpose. It's not just empowerment so you can just be cool and awesome. You're only cool and awesome when you're in the flow of the mission of God. 
When you say, you know what, God, I receive my empowerment to go and be your witness, like we talked about in that video, to go and make disciples, to do what Paul's talking about here, to make God's appeal, to say, come back to God. When I take that identity, I say, that's my mission and my mandate. Now I'm empowered, and that's what I can do. I'm sent on a mission. Ambassadors aren't sent on vacation. They're sent on a mission. They're sent with a message. They're sent with a mandate. And your mission as an ambassador of Christ is to make disciples. Now, catch that, that your identity is as an ambassador of Christ with all the full weight of what I just talked about it means to be an ambassador. So what stops us? Because if you mentally agree with that, you go, man, that's cool, I'm an ambassador for Christ. What ends up stopping us from really doing this? It's because we believe this big lie about ourselves that I can't, I'm not qualified, I'm not called, I'm not good enough, I'm not ready. How many of you have ever said, I'm not ready? Hey, you should lead a joy group. Hey, you should talk to your coworkers about Christ. Hey, you should, you know, whatever it is, serve in this department. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. You're believing a lie. Let me give you an action step for this point today. You ready for it? Get over yourself. Yeah, get over yourself. People are like leaning to their neighbors. Yeah, you need to do it. No, you need to do it. Okay, get over yourself. Stop believing these lies. I'm not qualified. I'm not called. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. Let me just tell you, go and read through the entire scriptures and look at everybody that we call heroes of faith. Abraham, Moses, David, all these people. Abraham was a liar. He was not only a liar, he was super old when he was still doing it. How many of you have this idea? You're like in your 20s or 30s and you think, well, when I'm 80, I'll totally be over my sin. Abraham was lying even as an old dude. He didn't get over it. His flaws continued. God was still working on him, right? Abraham was a liar. Moses was a murderer. And he had a stutter. David was an adulterer. And he was a bad father. He was also a murderer, but I was trying to be a little nicer. Jonah ran away from God and had to get swallowed by a big fish to get back on track. Can you imagine? Let me tell you my story of faith, how I followed God. Jonah, you're the guy that like went, ran away from God and got eaten by a fish. And that was how God got your attention. Well, yeah, but I did other stuff. Peter was Jesus' disciple. He literally walked with Jesus. And one time Jesus called him Satan. And then Peter denied Jesus three times. Even though he denied to Jesus when Jesus said, you'll deny me. He said, I deny that I'll deny you. And then Jesus said, no, you're going to do it. And then he said, I deny you, I deny you, I deny you. Three times. And that was after he cut some guy's ear off with a sword. I don't even own a sword. I had a machete one time, okay? <laughs> Jesus had to heal somebody's ear that Peter cut off. All of these people were bad at being Christians. Abraham, Moses, Jonah, Peter. You go through the scripture and it's one after another after another, and yet we call them heroes. We say these are the people of God. These are the great heroes of faith that we celebrate. We read their stories and we thank God that we weren't in the Bible because then all of our crazy stuff that we do and have done would be in there. But God still used them and God still sent them. And the only reason you and I are sitting here today as followers of Jesus is because they got over themselves and let God use them even in their brokenness, their weakness, and their failure. Did you know God can't use you as a success in your own right? He can only get glory when you are a failure that he, by his grace, lifts up to a position of authority 
It's the paradox of this Christian faith that God delights to display his power through weakness. So welcome to the party. (laughs) It's not about you. It's never been about you. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Being a Christian is something you literally cannot say, oh, I've done this thing. You know, I've made bad mistakes, but I've made some good decisions too. No. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. You know how often we think that we're our masterpiece? Oh, I'm so glad to be saved, and now I get to get myself all ready. (laughs) I'm a masterpiece. No, you're not your masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. When somebody looks at your life and goes, geez, I don't know how he did such a good good job with that because I didn't see it. The raw material wasn't really there. God, God gets glory because you're his masterpiece, so valuable to him. It says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In other words, when you finally stumble into doing something good for God, all you did was discover a path that was carved before the foundations of the world, prepared for you so that you could fall into the plan and the purposes of God and his mystery and wisdom and grace. And, and, and you know, think about that. It's not something that oh, I've made these decisions and now I've been following Jesus and so now I've self-actualized and I'm wise and I do all these things. No, all you discover is you think you found like the lost city of Atlantis and you're moving away the, the, you know, the sand and you just find what was already there all along. And God was not, he didn't miss it. <laughs> he knew where it was. We discover the things he planned for us long ago. We find our purpose in him as we submit to him in our journey as a disciple. But we have to get over ourselves. And see, it's two-sided. Because see, pride, it manifests as two things. Pride can manifest as arrogance, which is I'm more, I'm better, I'm great. Or it can manifest as insecurity. I'm less, I'm nothing, I'm a worm, I'm nothing. No, You are who God made you to be. And when you lean into that, you will become the person that he's called you to be and do the things he's called you to do. And you'll make disciples. So we're empowered to be ambassadors. But the action step is we need to get over ourself. If it's pride, get over yourself. If it's insecurity, get over yourself and lean into who God's called you to be in Jesus' name. Number two, we are empowered by fellow disciples. One of the mysteries of the Christian faith is that you've got to be willing to let flawed, broken people speak into your flaws and brokenness, even when you see that they're broken. But you have to have the humility to receive from people that are sinners to help you be righteous. Isn't that crazy? Many times when somebody criticizes me, I can see that they're not doing a good job. (laughs) Well, Bill, the way you criticize me, there was so much pride in that criticism. (laughs) Brother, I just discerned all that, you know, except for the fact that he's right. And if I have the humility to receive it, I grow. But if I have the, if I, if I can't receive from fellow disciples, I miss out on what God wants to do. God wants to empower you and he does empower you by using other broken, flawed sinners to help rub the rough edges off. Again, welcome to the club, right? Welcome to the journey here. 
We're empowered by fellow disciples. In Acts chapter 9, we see the story of Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul the Apostle, the greatest Christian missionary of all time. But previous to that, he's Saul of Tarsus, and he is a murderer and a persecutor of Christians. And on the way to Damascus to go get Christians and do whatever he's going to do, Jesus appears to him. He has this miraculous conversion. He's actually blinded. He has these scales go on his eyes. He falls off his horse, and Jesus tells him, Saul, go into the city of Damascus uh, and wait. And Jesus speaks to this disciple named Ananias, who's in Damascus through a vision, and he says, hey, you know that murderer of Christians? Uh Uh-huh. You need to go talk to him. And so Jesus is bringing together this divine appointment where he positions, and now Ananias comes, and he prays for, for Saul, and his eyes are healed, his sight is restored, his calling is affirmed, and God uses Ananias to empower Saul, who becomes Paul, the greatest Christian missionary, but he had to be obedient. And so we see an example of empowerment working correctly both ways. One disciple who's going to be empowered and one disciple who's going to empower a fellow disciple. The question for us is, are you listening to God? Are you aware of the place of positioning that he's put you in now to be empowered? And are you listening to him as he sends you as a disciple to empower others? And you go, I don't think I've ever heard the voice of God. Yes, you have. You just didn't tune in or realize it at the moment. Oftentimes the voice of God can seem like our thoughts, even our emotions. Oftentimes it'll be the thing. Here's one good way to know it is. It's something that advances the kingdom that makes you feel sick to your stomach. Because I remember when the devil spoke to me about planting this church. (laughs) I'm teasing, right? It wasn't the devil. It was the Lord. But I was like, I rebuke you, Satan, because it was hard. And it made me want to throw up. But it advanced the kingdom. If Jesus is telling you to, oh, I just feel like Jesus is speaking to you right now. This is my time. I've just been serving others too much. And now it's my time to be empowered and actualized and I just, I've been serving so much. I just need, I think I'm going to go to church less. That's not Jesus. If it it reverses the kingdom and it empowers you to be in your flesh, it's your voice or it's the voice of the world or or Satan or whoever. It might be Oprah, but it is not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, this is just my time to take care of me. No, let Jesus take care of you and you do what he says. And if you lay your life down for his sake, you will find it again. But if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. So how do you know it's the voice of God? Because it advances the kingdom. Where are you positioned to receive empowerment? Where are you positioned to to give empowerment? Because God is always arranging divine appointments for you to be empowered and to empower others. We read a book as a leadership team a couple years ago called Hero Makers, And they talked about in the book having what are called I see in you conversations. I see in you just means, hey, I see in you, Bethany, I see in you that God has given you this communication gift. And that's something that can be used to really help people. Or, hey, Kayla, I see in you that you have this ability. And and we can have those kind of conversations with people to begin to what? Empower them, give them permission to be who God's already called them to be. Because again, The the person that often has the hardest time seeing who they really are is who? Us. And so God uses fellow disciples to come around us and begin to encourage and fan the flame of the gift that is on the inside. I remember I was a a 12 or 13-year-old kid, teenager. I was at a conference up in Seattle, Casey Treats Church, and I was there with my parents, and I was just taking it all in. I 
you know, at the time I wanted to be a rock star. Like that was kind of the thing, you know, I wanted to do and uh, totally succeeded at it. And uh, uh, I've sold tens of albums around the world. And uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I looked at my Spotify stats recently and it was 30 monthly listeners. And I was like, sweet, that's, that's great. And then it was sad because 15 were my mom and the other 15 were my dad. So, uh, but uh, here I was as this 13-year-old boy and friends of ours, Daryl and Martha Rodman, uh, Daryl's gone to be with Jesus at this point, but they're prophetic people, just wonderful family friends, and they were there with us uh, visiting the conference as well. They came up to me at, at, after one of the sessions, and they said, hey, we, we just have a word for you. We see something in you. We want to speak something to you. I said, okay. They, they got me in a little uh, holy huddle, you know, three Christians together, qualifies as a holy huddle. And uh, they said, hey, uh, the Lord is speaking over you in apostolic gifting. We believe that God is calling you to plant churches. God is calling you to release church planters. And I was like, okay. I don't see it. <laughs> but they were saying, I see in you. God sees in you. What was going on was empowerment. And right now you are sitting in the reality of that prophetic word. Because here we are, Bethany and I, the Lord said, go to Eugene in 2013. We went to Eugene. We didn't know what was going on. We were just positioned, right? There was stuff going on. We planted a Joy Church in 2016. We're going to send churches out of Joy Church to be planted. That word will come to pass, not because of great pastors or whatever. It's not that. It's because God is at work advancing his kingdom, and we just want to get in front of that train and get taken out by it. Come on, somebody. Let God speak things in your life. And so disciples empower fellow disciples by speaking into them, I see in you. Now, what's the action step for this point? The action step is this. Get into position. Get into position. Positioning is a vital factor when it comes to empowerment, both sides of empowerment, but we often struggle with it, don't we? You know, if you have young kids, we try to get our kids in the car to take them places, to bless them or whatever, and it is always a nightmare. It's like, no, I wanted to sit here. No, I want to sit on the left-hand side of the car. Guys, it's the same. You look out, it's just going to be green stuff here in Eugene on both sides. Sitting behind mom or dad doesn't matter. Guys, stop fighting. We're trying to take you to Red Robin. Unlimited fries, you guys. Unlimited. <laughs> but they fight. It's like we can't get him in position. We were on uh, the airplane, you know, yesterday and flying. Our kids did an amazing job. But like Jack's headphones were out, so his iPad is blaring and Evie's yelling because she has headphones in. Mom, mom. You know, and we're like, quiet. You know, we're trying to get him into positioning. We wrestle against positioning in our life. Oftentimes we're like, no, God, I want to sit on the left-hand side of the car. You can apply that to your life how you see fit. No, God, I, no, I'm supposed to, I don't want to serve in kids ministry. I'm called to the pulpit. No. <laughs> God's positioning you. I remember when I was 17 or 18, I was in Bible college and we did an internship called Armor Bears. And one day I was vacuuming the stairs and I just thought, man, this is like not the thing And Joy Medford, we didn't have any working vacuums. So it was, this is true, right? It was like, we actually had to fix them all the time and they didn't really get fixed. So I vacuumed the stairs and I was like, oh man, what a great servant I am. Just so humble. I'm proud of how humble I am. And uh, <laughs> Pastor John Gomez was my intern director and he said, Jake, I told you to vacuum the stairs. And I was like, I just did it. Well, he had a memory problem. This is actually a true story. He had memory issues. 
And he told me, he got, he was a little upset because he thought I was, you know, criticizing or whatever. And he's like, no, you need to do it again. So I went and vacuumed the stairs again. I remember having my hands around a toilet, uh, cleaning the back of it, and uh, smelling all the smells, and laughing, thinking, man, I wanted to minister to the white throne of God. (laughs) And he gave me my wish. Positioning, positioning, positioning. Why? Because God had to beat the snot out of an arrogant 17-year-old pastor's kid so I could learn some humility to actually be useful to the kingdom of God. God had to beat some submission and some servanthood into me so I could learn how to stoop down low enough to actually bear any kind of burden that would help anybody else. Oh God, you didn't position me right. I'm supposed to lead this joy group, not just bring chili cheese Fritos week after week when Susan won't bring any. I have to serve in kids' ministry? I already did it last month. (laughs) Yes, you get to. You get to serve Jesus. You get to be positioned. And he gets to put you in places that you could never imagine where he would take you next because you're just willing to go where other people won't go and do what other people won't do. We had a group of interns here a few years ago we were out doing door hangers. I will tell you right now, I, there's not very many things in this world I dislike more than putting door hangers, inviting people to church on strangers' doors in the city that I live in. I will gladly go to a foreign country and preach the gospel. It's less embarrassing. You get to get on an airplane and go somewhere else. When you meet people that you know and they're like, hey, are you like, what are you doing? I'm putting flyers on someone's door to invite them to church. I'm not a weirdo, I promise. You know, it's embarrassing. It's actually a bit humiliating. And we were out doing it, and I purposely made myself go and do it with our, these interns that were with us, putting out. And they, one of the interns said to me, well, like, you're the pastor. Why are you out here doing this? And that's so cool. And I was like, hold on a second. First of all, I freaking hate this. <laughs> so before you think that, like, here I am. Oh, I'm the man of God. Oh, I love to evangelize. My favorite thing in the world to do is put door hangers on people's doors. I don't want to do that. I want to sit by myself and read books that make me feel smart. I don't want to put <laughs> door hangers on people's doors. But this is what came into my head, and I believe it was a, a word from the, the Holy Spirit. And I said to him, I, want to, I will do what other people won't do because I want to see what other people will never get to see. Listen, Jesus has put a calling upon our church to reach this city in a radical, revival, revolutionary way. And that's not going to happen until we do what other people won't do. We will never see what other people won't see until we will do what other people won't do. And so, yes, I will go put door hangers on. If we do it again, then I'll be out there putting door hangers on. And I'll hate it just as much every time. (laughs) And you'll be there with me because you're going to see what God wants us to see. It's about positioning. Jesus told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Nobody likes to hear that word, wait. What am I supposed to do, God? Is it time for me to go? No, it's time for you to stay. Oh, but I don't, I'm uncomfortable. I don't have the right position. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, wait, stay, stick with it, serve, be faithful. Just continue to, to grow. Jesus told Saul on the road to Damascus to go into the city and wait for instructions. Why would Jesus tell Saul? I've just, he just appeared to him in the flesh, knocked him off his horse, and blinded him with glorious heavenly light. Couldn't he have just saved some steps? 
Don't you think Jesus ever read like seven habits of highly effective people? Why didn't he just like get the job done right there? Okay, Saul, we've done this whole conversion experience. You are converted. You're converted. Now go do this and this and this. Why didn't he do that? He says, no, just go into Damascus and wait. Why? Because this is how he works. He's setting up an empowerment moment for both Saul and for Ananias, who both grow from this encounter. It's about positioning. Jesus intentionally goes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, well, I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy to tie your sandals. No, it's about empowerment. Jesus was demonstrating. He was modeling. Get yourself in position to fulfill all righteousness. John baptizes him. And it's in that moment that the dove of the Holy Spirit shows up over Jesus. And a voice from heaven comes and says, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. And it's in that moment that he's released into the ministry that God had prepared for him, demonstrating to us. You think Jesus couldn't have just gone about his thing? No, he had to show up in that moment. It was about positioning. Often we direct ourselves and position ourselves rather than listening to the voice of God. To stay, to go, to move at his bidding. Impatience and pride can derail your destiny. They can knock you off course. And so it's all about positioning. Let me speak to you, disciple to disciple, about positioning. I wanna encourage every single one of us in our church to be a part of a joy group. It's like if only we had this mechanism where we could grow in God and empower each other and help each other that works in such a simple, kind of silly way where you bring people together that are flawed and broken and God does some kind of crazy miracle in the midst of that community and both everybody grows together and makes an impact and people get saved and it's this powerful thing. And yet we stubbornly and arrogantly and, and pridefully, we resist the simple things of God to pursue the complex things of the world. If you just position yourself in a group and let discipleship happen in that context of relationship, God's gonna do some powerful stuff in your life. Well, it doesn't fit my schedule. I'm more of an introvert. I just connect with God better on my own. Yeah, newsflash, we all do. Well, that's not my thing. Well, it is now. God wants to do something great in your life, but you've got to get in position. Will you have the humility to just position yourself? Say, hey, I want to be empowered by fellow disciples and I want to be available. Doesn't even mean you have to do anything crazy. Just be available to empower others because it's not all about you. It's also about those that God's gonna use you to make an impact in their life. Daryl and Martha Rodman never pastored a huge church. Pastor Daryl ended up passing away. I think, you know, early, sad situation. I don't know what God's gonna do with my life, but I'll tell you what, they have fruit in and through us because of that ministry. The people that I'm able to pour into, I have fruit in what they do, this is how the kingdom of God operates. It's not about us, it's about our willingness to be part of God's plan and his process throughout history. God wants to position you into that place to grow you, to empower you, and so you can empower others in Jesus' name. Okay, we got done with two. We'll keep going next week. You excited? So real quick, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Right now, I just want us to respond. If you're a disciple of Jesus, we talked about two action steps. One. Get over yourself too. Get into position. I just want to right now just receive from God what he wants to do in us. If you're joining online in Overflow, you're a part of this. Let's, let's 
align ourselves to this message today to hear God's word, receive it in faith, and make a commitment to do it. God, right now, we just come before you. We thank you that you have all authority in heaven and on earth, and you've called us to go in light of that authority and make disciples, and you've empowered us by your Holy Spirit. You've called us to be ambassadors. You want to use us even in our brokenness, in our failure, in our weakness to make an impact in the lives of those around us. So God, we submit ourselves to your plan. Lord, we humble ourselves today. We say, God, I'm not going to try to outsmart your process. I just want to know where you want me to be. Is it stay? Is it go? Is it left? Is it right? Lord, I want to be right in the middle of that flow of what you want to do in my life so I can be part of this plan that you have ordained, God. Lord, I thank you right now for every disciple in this room, such incredible, amazing people. Lord, I pray that you would stir them in faith, stir them to respond to this word today, God. Lord, we want to be empowered and we want to empower others. We want to make disciples. We don't even need to know how it's going to happen. We're just available. We're willing We're willing to trust you, God, that you're going to lead us and guide us, and we're going to submit to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Real quick today before we go, every week people come to church, maybe watching online or even on a replay, that are looking for faith, for hope, for answers, whatever, maybe healing from brokenness in your life. And the answer is to become a follower of Jesus. You know, right now is a perfect moment. We've talked about being empowered. It starts with that decision to to trust in Jesus and to receive what he did. God sent Jesus to this planet. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was tempted, tested, tried, went through the mud, the muck, all of it, but without sin. And he gave his life for you and I. He paid that price for our sins and wrongdoing so we could be made right with God. And so right now you can make that decision to trust in him and become his follower Just like Jesus called his disciples 2,000 years ago, he's calling you right now in this moment, come follow me. And that process starts right now. If that's you and you wanna put your trust in Jesus, would you just raise your hand so I can see? Anybody here? Thank you so much. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else? All right, and if you're joining us online, you can pray this with us and respond today. Let's pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with God. I put my faith and trust in you. I will follow you the rest of my life. In your grace, I put my faith and trust in you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen.